Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family. From the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Your Living Proof Podcast. Hey guys. Number 64. How's it going? As long as we keep podcasting together, maybe we will always stay together. I hope we have a little bit more strength than the podcast at this point. I I had a genius idea today in the shower after the gym. From now on, every argument, disagreement, or fight we get in should happen in the podcast booth. Why? Because it's padded? (laughs) No one can hear us yelling or killing each other? You can't. You can only (laughs) beat me so bad. No, because... You guys know one time I took Danny down, just so we're clear, I spider monkeyed him. He didn't think that I could do it, and I did. This baloney. I want you to know, no, I took him down. Like, I did. You can admit it. It's okay. We know you're strong. Okay, she took me down. Let's move on. I'm I'm glad you had that satisfaction. Thank you. But the reason is it sounds so much better. I think the, the yelling or the arguing would be minimized because of the cool sound of your voice in the yeah. microphone and then the headphones. I like that. So let's do it. I think okay. it'd be help. Okay. Today is episode 64. And again, this platform, this show is for everyone out there who loves someone stuck in the, t- in the deadly trap of addiction, whether it's your spouse, your child, it could be your sibling, your grandchild. It could even be your parent. Frantically, desperately, trying to figure out what you can do to change the course of this destructive path. Yep, that's right. And we know you need the support, so we're glad you found us. It's for you. And our hope is that by getting to know us and hearing from some of these shows that you can learn to trust us because we have a program that can help you. That's right. So it is a topic that I do consider myself one of the greatest experts on, which is helping families navigate through this. Yes. I know from firsthand experience now I've been on the other side. I've been in both sides of the situation to be able to help people and give them the honest answers that nobody else is. Yeah. It is so awesome to see actually the full circle. But outside of this topic, I have mess of problems. Um, we just added to the chaos of our life. We did. And we actually, I mean, we really did. We did it with gusto. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and it, I'm, I, I did it knowing that it was scary and that, like, I was terrified of doing it. Like, Just tell fully. them what we did. But we got a puppy. We got Here, a puppy. Hold on. I am going to say something right now. Everyone who knew me, when I was a little boy, right, and you play these games, what are you going to grow up to be or what's going to happen in your life? If someone was to say, okay, when I was, like, five years old, is Danny going to grow up and end up incarcerated or would he own a cat? Everyone in my life would have said he'd be incarcerated. For sure. So obviously you had to do both. I only say that because she just said we got a dog. We also have a cat, 22 chickens. And last week alone, my wife sent me a bunch of, um, what do you call those things? Classifieds for uh, a Highlander, alpacas. uh, Miniature donkey. A miniature donkey. And I'm just like, what are we doing? He's surrendered. He's fully in love, you guys. 15 years in. (laughs) But one of our children has had an onset of anxiety, dealing with some a difficult time in life, and so the dog was. Yeah, it was mainly it was mainly for our daughter, who's really. I mean, she had a very acute onset of anxiety, um, and so we got this puppy, this little. It's a a long haired Chihuahua. It's the tiniest little love ever. We named her Lulu, 
And um, we surprised her last week um, and brought this puppy in the morning when she woke up. And you can go to our Instagram and see her response because it was like visceral. Like I did not anticipate her having this like very, very raw, real physical response to this puppy. I mean, it was more than like, oh, so cute. I mean, she was just sobbing. No, it. And the approach is trying to do things before we take the path of medicine. Right. You know, not that that's a bad path. For some people, it's absolutely necessary. But we're trying to do some of these things. We found, it's cool, we went through this whole process and we found a program. Yeah. And I'm like, guess what we just found? We found the Living Proof program for this situation. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And we're going to, we're going to, we're starting her in that program and we got a puppy. So we're just crazy. Like, yeah, we are. We're just, but we're living life like we want to. Yeah. On and our we're going to start fighting in the podcast booth. Yeah. Totally. So with that, um, I want to share the topic today is the elephant in the room. And um, I just want to share something that, that Danny shares in groups all of the time. And I think that it's, it's really, really profound. So I wanted to talk about it today. Um, the it biggest is, elephant in the room? Yeah, it's addressing the biggest elephant in the room when it comes to addiction. Yeah. What is it? You you tell me. because It's you, not fair. It's That's not the biggest fair. elephant in the room. It's not fair. This situation, this terrible situation that you're in, it's not your fair. It's not your fault. It's not fair. You, it, whether it was your spouse, your sibling, your parent, or someone that you love, they did this. They did. They put themselves and all of you into this complete and total mess. So the elephant in the room is, let's acknowledge the first thing. When pe- I start working with people, here's the very first thing. This isn't fair. Yeah. Because the mindset is, well, why in the hell are, are they not seeking help? Why are they not the ones that are putting together this plan to try to fix things? Yeah. Shouldn't they be the ones to get us out of this mess? Yeah. And if you've, if you've, like listen to any of our podcasts or been on our social media platforms at all you you would know you have heard us say this but the um the number one lie about addiction is that they have to want it for themselves it, right it is it's the the reason why the leading cause of death individuals 18 to 45 is drug overdose to one single drug fentanyl and then if you look down the list there's drug overdose to other drugs and alcohol-related deaths, it's because everyone believes that lie. They have to want it for themselves. Yeah. And can I say, can I share my response to that? Yeah. Well, of course they do. Yes, they, it would be nice. Of course they have to want it for themselves, but this powerful concept will literally send most of you off in the right trajectory is that will never be what gets the process started. Something or someone else has to intervene. And hopefully when that happens, they have just enough time to, like, want it for themselves. Right. Yes. So, again, the elephant in the room is this is not fair. It's not fair that your life has been impacted and adjusted because of someone else's problems, someone else's poor choices, someone else's addiction. It's not fair that you are the one that has to do the heavy lifting while they check out and live in la-la land. Hmm. It's not fair that your life got tossed upside down like a snow globe while the other person continues to make horrible choices um, and take no responsibility for it. It's not fair that they get to, I say get to because I'm a mom and I'm like, 
man, it would be kind of nice. Like you go to the hospital to have a baby. It's kind of nice. Like you're forced to like sit down for two days. <laughs> <laughs> this person gets to have 30 days to just think about themselves and reflect on themselves and work on themselves heal. and heal while you pay for it and do all their work and yours. That's not fair. Mm. Like it's truly not fair. And it's never convenient. No. And it's never easy. So what we want to discuss is why does addiction specifically elicit a completely different response to crisis than anything else? There's several times that we've shared this comparison, right? But if your loved one was to have been in a terrible accident, maybe broke both their legs and their back, they're unable to walk. There, I don't think there's a human being that loves someone that would be put into a place where they're yelling at them to get up off the couch and knock it off. Come on, just walk. Right. Now, for those in those situations, my goodness, what a difficult road. The amount of sacrifice and effort that goes into it, right? Yeah. It, you can't even know unless you've been there. But still, the situation, when you look at it, why is it that with addiction, we have a different approach? Maybe they weren't broken. Maybe they had heart failure or, or cancer or something. No one would ever be looking at them, disgusted, telling them to knock it off, pleading with them to just, like, stop doing that. Or resenting them for it, right? So, wow. Let's discuss the mindset. Let's, I, what I really want to do is get it out in the light because I think this is something when people grasp onto, it changes everything. Why is the mindset different? Why do we look at these situations differently? Well, d just to be t totally blunt. Um, which you always are. Which I have to be. And you look gorgeous, by the way. Thanks. I washed my hair today. Whenever it's she washes kind of her hair, I don't know. It is exciting. It, it's a big deal. Um, but just to be blunt, um, with addiction, we see that they are choosing something. Yeah. Not that something has been forced upon them, like a cancer diagnosis or some acute injury. Um, there has always been and there will always be this debate, right? Is this a moral breakdown? Is this person just choosing to live um, recklessly and with no regard for others? Or is this a disease? Mm -hmm. and, and I think if we drill that down... A little bit more, maybe, maybe logically, we're able in in a situation where we're not attached to it, right? It's it's not a family member. We could look at a, a situation and say, "Well, it's a disease." I mean, clearly, it's a disease. But when it manifests in somebody that we love, it changes it. Amen. You just nailed it. it, it and we don't see it. As anything but just like a choice that they've made that sucks that they just keep. But why making. is that? Why is that? Well, it. I, I, I got to sum up what she just said. When we've come as far as a society inside of churches, groups, schools, workplaces to like understand these situations better. And if we're talking about your neighbor's kid, even if it's like your your sister's child. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah, you can see it. One step back. So why is it that when it's the people that we love that we're close to that we can't? Why? Okay, well, I, 
I know why. And I mean, for me, it's because you know them. Like, you know what they're capable mm. of. You know it on a deep level. Like, Meaning before any of this happened, you Right, knew. like, y- you know that they're capable of making better choices. They've done it before. You've witnessed it in your life for years. Like, you know you know that, and you just cannot wrap your mind around the fact that all of the consequences that are so obvious for everyone, everyone can see it, 10 miles away, are not registering to them. Mm. So it becomes this, like, your addiction to fixate on all all of the damage that's being done and focusing on that, and it it literally, like, neutralizes you to be able to see the addiction. Like you just focus on all of the symptoms of the addiction, just yeah. like all the crap that's happening. Yeah. So you know what they, who they are, you know what they're capable of. You've seen them operate at a much higher level than this. And so to you, you just get stuck on why are they choosing this? Like why, why, yeah. why? Can I add in for the majority of someone's addiction, right? Excuse me. Get that water, Dan. It's unnoticeable. Oh, that's true. They can hide it. I always call it this 10-chapter book. Anyone that has an addiction, I don't care if it's sex, alcohol, prescription drugs, illicit drugs, there's a 10-chapter book. The first nine chapters, maybe eight and a half. No one can see it. Yeah. Yeah, you're It's really, actually really kind really of right. boring. They're just kind of building the plot, talking about the characters, creating the story. It's only in the very end that you can see it. But even when you see it, people still see that person that they knew. That yeah. person that was awesome. Yep. It's one thing that I hear every time, and I hope I do continue to hear it because it's the truth. Yeah. You know what? They they are the greatest person. Oh, yes. They, my son is, or daughter, they they were the greatest. The person that walked in the room and lit, lit up the room and everyone wanted to be around. And th- that is true. So yep. you keep seeing them as that person. Yes. And then you, but you also see the exact opposite of you like all like staring you in the face all day. So it's just like this, this crazy slap in the face that you're just like, come on, like, yeah, be, be different, you know? And so, yeah, it, it it's, it's a crazy situation that, that you get put in. And unless it's directly you, you just can't see it the same, but no. when it is you, it's, it is jarring. So I just want to talk about like, I love to talk about personal examples for me because it's... Well, how about the fact that you can't get over you can't get over the situation or maybe see it for what it is because you're not them? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, many of us, all of you, every normal person in the world of yep. recovery, we call you people normies. I'm still a recovering addict, so... I, I'm a normie. Uh, yeah, normie, where you have a bad habit, whether it's eating yeah. or doing something or, I, I don't know, even taking or doing things you shouldn't, you course correct. Yeah. Because something like manifested itself, and you're like, oh, I better stop. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you do and that. And you have the ability to do that. You like, do. And so you're looking at them, expecting them to do the same thing. Correct, correct. And I and I, I, I love that you said that because it's so, so true that there are people, like I'm one of them, I, I could have a, I could have 10 pills, like t- 10 bottles <laughs> of, um, Pain Oxycontin pills. on my on my nightstand, and I would literally never ever open a bottle, ever, yeah. unless maybe I had to amputate my own leg or something. Like I hate pain pills; they don't do me right. Like I hate them, 
but you are not one of those people. No, it's, but you still would expect everyone to have the same response as right. you. Right. Like, hello, you know that you can't take that. Yeah. So that's another contributing yes, factor. Yes, that, that is. So but share you. your personal story. So my, my personal story, I just, I, I want to share this because it it's still, it goes to show how, how deep this can cut, right? Like, um, I work, this is like what I live and breathe and it's still like, will slap me in the face all the time. And I'm like, Oh, I'm getting sucked in. Um, I, I have a friend who's, whose husband developed a massive addiction to pornography. Okay. Um, his addiction led him to do some of the most abhorrent, unthinkable things I think you can do to your family. I, I mean, he he put them in financial ruin, bankrupt them. He destroyed relationships all around them. He put their family in, in actual physical jeopardy, okay? He, he actually stole his own wife's wedding ring to pawn it and then tried to collect insurance money on it. I, I wish I haven't heard that same thing dozens of times. Okay. I mean that that's Yeah, that's that's, that's when you're getting down. That is next level. To the 10th chapter. Okay. So so when I was finding all of this out, I didn't want to help him. I didn't see him as somebody that need, needed help. I actually wanted to Beth Dutton his ass. Like I wanted, do you have the bleep button on there? You might wanna <laughs> There oh, that was yeah. Yeah, so I'm good. Um, I wanted, I wanted to find him and take him to the train station in the most brutal way. Okay, if people, I'm going to translate to show Yellowstone. What she means is rough him up and get rid of him. Yeah, I did. I was so mad. I actually couldn't believe that this horrible, horrible human being had any influence over how my friend felt about herself, about how, how she felt in her life of even being safe it, it it made me furious so i'm telling danny this and i'm telling him how much i want I, I want danny to go after him i want you to go find him and i want you to teach him a lesson and danny's like he'd be um, more scared of you than me for sure i'm much meaner <laughs> and again i spider monkeyed danny so it's fine uh. um but danny quickly reminded me like oh babe he has a mental illness that he has absolutely no control anymore over anything that he does. This is not something that he is choosing. He he has he has lost that ability completely. This is no this is not a bad habit that he developed. This is an addiction that he has completely lost control of his ability to choose. And that's where I got to cut in. Go ahead. And shed some light on the truth. When I share this with people, I know, and I tell them, and I reassure them, I know it sounds like a cop-out. I know the, the amount of people I'm working with that had just described a similar situation that you just shared is crazy. Yeah. Unthinkable. I mean, stealing money from their kid's bank account, all, all these things. Yeah, monster stuff. So when I say they're no longer capable, when I say that they have lost the ability to choose, it sounds like a cop-out. And sometimes people get a little mad. It does sound like a cop-out. Yeah, like we're, <clears throat> I'm excusing their behavior, right? Yeah, like, oh, poor them. They, they, they're oh, they so addicted. A, they, they now have a disease of the brain, and they can't do it, and they get mad. Yeah. 
So it here, makes me mad. Let me shed some light, some truth. They did at some point. If we're arguing, like, if this is a moral breakdown of something they can knock off or it's an actual disease, at some point they did. Everybody did. I did. Made poor choices. We did things we shouldn't have. We maybe tried things that were probably not the greatest thing to choose. But at some point, you become dependent on that. You need it. Right? Like, yeah. You need ibuprofen if you're hurting or Tylenol if you have a headache, right? They need this. And then it crosses over another bridge into dependency. Like they depend on it. Yeah. And before you know it, and it's different for everyone, it could be weeks, months, or years, it rewires their brain and actually creates an illness. So that's the response. If people are like, is this a moral breakdown or is this a disease? Who cares? I, and Danny says that all the time. He's like, who Who cares? cares? We have to figure out how to move forward with or without their cooperation. But we're going to put together a plan if they want it. And if the plan's going to set you free. And they po- won't want it for a long time. So remember this. Poor choices were made. Poor choices were made in the beginning. It could have come from different things. It could have come from peer pressure. Yeah. It could have come from curiosity. It could have come from being in a desperate place where you just feel so isolated, alone, depressed, anxious. You tried something that you never fathomed trying. It could come from like severe trauma. Maybe someone experienced something so heinous, so terrible, that that's what kind of pushed them into it. But that sweet daughter of yours, that incredible husband who would have never fathomed doing drugs or alcohol, at some point in their life, for one reason or another, they tried something. And I always say... Satan is an opportunistic person. Absolutely. He will wait until you're beat down. And then all of a sudden this old friend shows up and has something crazy and you try it. Yeah. Very, waits for the right time. But something they took, even when they knew they shouldn't, wasn't the greatest idea. Maybe that it was wrong, that they were taught that it was bad since they were little, gave them instant relief. Confusing. Super confusing. It's a super confusing thing when you just did something you've been taught your whole life is wrong. You know it's wrong. It may even be illegal. And you feel better. Like you're almost brought to tears because it's for the first time you feel whole. You feel confident. You feel comfortable. You feel everything that you hadn't been able to feel. However, if you can just accept and own the fact that, yes, they made poor choices. Those poor choices led them to be to needing this. Then they became dependent on this, and then they created an, an illness. They are no longer able to make their choice, any of their own choices or decisions. And the hard part is, is again, when someone's deep in addiction like I was using drugs in an unthinkable manner, you still have moments of clarity. There's times when you're somewhat sober, and you the people see that. So yeah. it's this it's this tug of war of like Yeah, absolutely. They are, get a little peep like when of of your true self again and then they they have hope and they're yeah. like, "Oh, okay." Oh my gosh, his eyes aren't his eyes aren't dilated or yeah. he isn't like shaking. Yep. Or he broke down and he actually cried in my arms and told me, you know, how much he hates this. And yeah. it, it gives you just enough hope. Which is why it it leads us as family members treating this situation differently. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it's so, so true. It just gives you enough hope. So I, I want to talk about a little bit more about uh, about the the fact that 
it's maddening. It makes you angry. It makes, when Danny's like, it doesn't matter, like, if it's a poor choice or not. It makes me angry because I just want to hold this person responsible, right? <laughs> and so I had to actually kind of do a little bit of, like, soul searching on that because I just feel like in the moment that's just not good enough for me. Like, I need to understand that differently. So I came across this amazing um, speech given about how addiction removes the ability for a person to choose. Um, and maybe even more specifically, how to, how to see the difference between someone who's developed a bad habit, right, where they're in the poor choices stage, and someone who is in active addiction, okay? And I, I think it might help some of you that are listening um, and, and that are quite stuck by this because it, it, it does make you stop in your tracks it, it it whether you want it to or not it it paralyzes you um and so so here it is i i'm just going to read this one little part of it to you and it's um and this is uh from boyd k packer in this speech called revelation in a changing world and he says our physical body is the instrument of our spirit and addiction serves the design of the prince of darkness, for it disrupts the channel to the Holy Spirit of truth. Addiction has the capacity to disconnect the human will and nullify moral agency. It can rob one of the power to decide. It's powerful. It's really powerful, especially when you just use the word opportunistic. Satan is opportunistic. Now, I don't care what your belief system is. If you believe in good versus evil, we are in a war for good versus evil. And I believe that Satan has a massive advantage right now because of all the drugs in the world. And then you have families that become, like we're pointing out, quite paralyzed by that experience inside of their home because they get stuck on this wait a minute, they're a really good person. Wait a minute, I've seen them make better choices before. Wait a minute, I know they can overcome this. I did, I've overcome this. And so I just really, really want want us to remember, as maddening as it is, as, as much of a cop-out you think it is to say that somebody has a disease of the brain, truly, when somebody is in active addiction, they no longer have access to their own agency. That's the truth. And it's it's a tough pill to swallow, and it's not fair. It's that, not fair. It, it's not. That's the elephant in the room. And I love when you speak your voice. I just got kind of caught off listening to you. Did you? Oh, I love that. Maybe buy me an alpaca. Yep. See, that's why we fight. <laughs> we fight in the podcast booth. But thank you for sharing that. Well, I mean, the truth is it really is one of Satan's biggest weapons. It is. Well, it's... And so we have to respond to it differently. It's the only fatal illness where the family gets sick with you. Cancer's not contagious. No. Heart failure's not contagious. Learning to walk again is not contagious. Do they all have effects in our life financially, emotionally, right. mentally? Yes. But we go into these situations with whatever it takes. Yes. Except when they're sick with an addiction like this, we still get hung up. Oh, they just need to knock it off. Oh, yeah. They're just making a bad choice. I'm just really mad at them because 
they can do better or, than this. Or, you know what, we don't need to do this. We can just take this route. Right. And you know what? It would be more convenient if we waited for three months because that's when this is going to happen. Oh, my gosh. Right? I mean, I mean, that's the, that's the truth. And, and that's, well, that's, that's it's also embarrassing. Right. It's embarrassing. It's ugly. It's 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 you don't even want people to know. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> I, I mean, especially I mean, I'm sorry for, you know, my friend. It's it's kind of like, well, now we're going to have to get other people involved that we really don't want to involve in this. Right. Ex-spouses, things like that. Like it's messy. This yeah. is a messy process. Yep. I, and this, it's why we've done what we've but, done. But, hey, if somebody is is paralyzed, are you going to be like, this is too messy? We can't involve this person? Nope. No. Dive head first. But you're right. This is why we have done what we have done and why we do this podcast and why we have the services that we have. It's, it is because it's not fair. And there are no resources for families who are in this situation. And if you want to actually stand up and fight against the the actual power of darkness in this world, you cannot take the natural response, which I always want to take, which is just go Beth Dutton them. <laughs> yeah. You have to actually go, you know what? This person is sick. I'm going to calculatedly, strategically approach this different, just like I would if they were paralyzed. Anyone who's talked with me, worked with me, has heard me say this. Everyone thinks that they're so clinically unique that they're they are going to be the first ones to do what no other man or family has done in the history of mankind. Oh yeah, which is exit this train on their own. But they get hung up on so many things. Of, oh well, we will. Or, or we're not like that. Or it's not that bad. Or hey, we're so and so, and so we know better. You are headed down the same path that everyone else is. So someone reached out recently and they're like, if you really, they, so I guess someone who didn't like me is mad at something I did said, you don't, if you really liked or cared about people suffering like you did, you would be helping them. Like you'd be focusing on them. And I was like, wow, I, I can see why they're frustrated. Yeah. They want me to go fix the problem as bad as they want the problem to be fixed. Right. There is a million resources out there for that loved one of yours who's sick. But there's nothing out there to help you. I know from personal experience, I had no chance, no choice. Yes, did I go get help? Yes, were there so many professionals and peoples and doctors and psychiatrists and therapists involved? Yes. But they got me started. They stopped the bleeding. Who supported me then? Who got me there? Who welcomed me home? Who walked with me for through all of this was my family. So helping the family is the greatest way. I, I empathize, and I want that person you love to get healthy more than anyone else other than you because I know the joy that, that's out there for them. But I also know that if their family doesn't learn, their path is waiting till it's court-ordered by a judge, something else happens, or they die. It's just right. how it ends up. Right. So there are, okay, of course, there are many other factors that make this situation when someone has an addiction difficult to navigate or even just start beginning working on. And all of them, they, they cause us to approach the situation differently, okay? It, it is about your mindset. And when you see the situation for what it is, you change the approach. There are other factors. Maybe, maybe for a long time, they appear very sick and, and totally fine other times, right? 
they're going to fight you. They're going to manipulate you. They are going to like fight tooth and nail to stay sick. There's so many things. But when you have the mindset of realizing that they're sick, you your loved one may be in the stage of, you know, we outline these the six stages. Mm-hmm. If you go to our website, you can you can watch. We have a, a masterclass video that talks about these six stages. Maybe your loved one's at the stage where they're dependent. Yeah. And they're not like a full blown, like have a brain disease. Like they're they're getting there. Yeah. They're on that path. But they could be at any, they could be at any stage. We have to flip the mindset of looking at it. And I think, like we said earlier, society's come to a point where we see it and we accept it. But when it's in our home with our spouse or our child, we see it different. Yeah. I think we neglected to mention one thing, and that's because of love. Oh, yeah. You love love someone so much that you see the good in them, even when it's hard. Yep. Even when it's gone. Well, you see their potential too. You see their potential. Yeah. Like, which is true love. It's like a mother's love. When she sees her child, she sees them a way that no one else in the world can. Yeah. Which blinds you from the fact that you're fighting for their life. Yep. So applying these concepts, and, and I think this actually holds true more to people that are successful, educated, God fearing people, right? Yep. Because of our moral structure because of the amount of intellect that we have and success that we've had in life, it even makes facing addiction harder. Oh, for sure it does. Than maybe some people who don't have those things in their life. Yeah, it absolutely does. It's, it is, and it's okay. If you are someone who's looked at someone you love and just been like, you just need to knock it off. Like, yeah. I'm gonna, <laughs> or I just need to pray more about this and then I'll, I'll be able to help them. I mean, you should pray about it. I'm not saying you shouldn't. No, pray for, pray for the courage to do what's going to be difficult. Yes. And, and pray for the courage to find help and ask for help. And on that note, I want to read the serenity prayer for families because we read this every week, and it's so, so important, and it is for you, the listener. God, grant me the serenity to accept that I cannot change other people and the courage to change the person that I can and the wisdom to know that it is me. And that is why we're here. That is why we do this. The percentage of people who overcome these life-threatening illnesses of addiction is very small. But I will tell you when a family unites, learns how to effectively intervene, gets healthy themselves, and figures out how to support you in a program of recovery, a large percent of those people that have that in their life do recover. We're here for you We want you to have success in getting sanity back into your family, restoring peace into your family, and getting your loved one the help that they need. And hey, if you liked this podcast today, please go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to it because we just started it. Yeah. And we want, if you guys want to see what we actually look like on the days that I wash my hair, then (laughs) um, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe and make sure and share it with somebody else because I guarantee you know someone. Yes, please. That was my plug. Share it with your sister or your friend at the gym or your person at church who you know is in this right now. We're here for you. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day.